This episode of The Mom Voice is brought to you by the Pura Smart Home Fragrance Diffuser. You guys know I love my scents, and I love having my home smell the very best that it can. And Pura has totally reinvented the game. With the Pura Smart device, they've created a natural, pet, and kid-friendly product that allows you to set schedules and manage your fragrance from your phone. They have top brands like Volcano, Nest. They even have a Disney line. To order, head to themomvoice.com, click shop the show and find the Pura link. Then shop around and at checkout, enter code MOMVOICE for 15% off any of the products. Hey guys, welcome to The Mom Voice. This is Lauren and Sarah with episode 120. We are so excited to have a returning guest and a dear friend, the Jade Bennett here with us. Say hi, Jade. I prefer the Jade Bennett everywhere I go with my children. (laughs) Just refer to her as the Jade Bennett. She is one of a kind. She's amazing. We have already been talking our ears off for over an hour and it's just never enough time. But we are so excited to have you back, Jade. Jade um, is a mother of three, and she is an interior designer, and she helps you create a home that you live where where you you love. love. I wanted to say it right. Did it. And she has an amazing course available. She's also owner of BFF Print Shop, which is just booming. So incredible. And we're just so happy to sit down with you, mainly today, because you have made some big moves, big changes in your life. And we're going to talk about kind of that adjustment period as a woman, as a family, all the things that go into it. Say hi, Sarah. I'm just going. No, you're fine. I'm going to dive right in. So Jade, you recently relocated your family from Arizona to Utah. Let's go there. You're here. You're in Utah. We're here recording in Utah (laughs) on site. This is so fun. I'm so fancy that you came to me. That's That's how cool I am. Yeah. So walk us through like what led to the decision. And I mean, how did you get here? Honestly, how did I get here? (laughs) I know it was big. It was big. Lauren knows because she's in our group of girlfriends whom like raised each other through these last years of our lives. I'm not quite sure how I walked away. Um, But the good news about being adult is you don't really walk away from the people that you've collected in your life. Um, But we ended up in Utah. So sort of guided here, I guess is the word I would say. Um, A couple years ago when we were here, we felt a stirring is how I would describe it. Like this is a place we could actually live, which was so contrasting to my experience as a 20, 18 year old here <laughs> going to BYU for the summer. I'm um, thinking I'm never living in this town. This is a very stifling place to live. I'm not coming here. <laughs> um, so then in my thirties or yeah, it must've been thirties. How old am I even thirties? We came back and it just felt like a stirring. This is a place we could go, but we weren't just going to walk away for nothing. And so when an opportunity came for Ty to buy a landscaping business with a friend of mine's husband that lived up here and also to buy their home at the same time, it all just felt way too like meant to be, to be a coincidence. And so we started pursuing it and it just unfolded. And next thing you know, we were moving to Lehigh, Utah. Um, yeah, that was like a kind of a sweet bundle deal. And it was. I, I can still remember when, um, I've learned about it. We were actually in California when I really learned this was a serious possibility. And I remember just being shocked because I felt like you guys had so many great things going. And I was like, this just seems so like sudden and shocking to me. But I also totally understood where each of your hearts were coming from and kind of the need for this change. 
but like walk us through the emotions. And I remember at the time too, your daughter had caught like wind and, and I only bring that up. You don't even have to go into that, but yes, your children and the dynamic of moving a whole family. I I'm also pretty much native to Arizona. So like picking up and going to a totally new place with my family has a lot of baggage included, literally. <laughs> well, you were there, literally, <laughs> you halls full. Um, you were there in California where my daughter had found out. And so my daughter at the time was 10. Um, and it was her worst nightmare, well articulated to us as her parents, that it was her worst nightmare to leave her friends also and move somewhere. And we did not take that lightly, but also we have adult perspective and we knew what a great girl she was and that she did have great friends, but in life you can make lots of great friends. And also the important lesson of like doing hard things when you're young um, and how beneficial that would probably be for her. So as we were prayerful about that, she was just sort of something we were going to need to manage, if that makes sense. Um, and she found out in the way that we did not want her to, we were going to tell her and she overheard my husband, which is classic husbands. Cause it was a secret until we were ready to deliver it. And he spilled the beans when I was on a birthday trip at Disneyland and almost ruined my trip. Yes. My daughter sobbing hysterically, like having truly what was a panic attack about coming here. Um, and just to give you a small clip of where she's at now, she says she will never move back to Arizona. She loves it here. How do these things happen? Like you follow your heart, you do what's right for your family, despite kind of the obstacles that are in your way and miracles happen. And that's what happened. She moved here we met girls in our neighborhood, even during what I lovingly call COVID times. Um, and we, we established friendships and then she started school in August and made even better friends and now has this so supportive, kind group of girlfriends that she loves and never wants to leave. And I'm like, how, I even sometimes I'm not sure how it happened. I'm just so grateful that it did. And so how did you introduce the topic to your other children? Had the other kids already heard about it or what was going on there? So the other two, because of my episode with you guys before, you know, I have, because you're such a good listener to this podcast as you should be, you know, that I have a six year age difference essentially between my oldest and then my next two. So they were three and four, four and five about that time that we were moving. They just didn't care. They just thought it sounded really fun. They didn't understand, um, distance and space, I would assume at that age. Cause now the one that struggles probably the most now is my youngest because her best friend is her cousin who we were in the neighborhood with my sister's young um, oldest. And that is probably even for me, the hardest part of being gone is that they are so young that FaceTime and, and technology doesn't serve them as well as face-to-face does. Um, but at the time, no, they were easy. They were super easy to separate. It was easy to make it sound fun. The house had stairs that we were moving to and <laughs> that's all they cared about. So it was easier than I thought. Well, and I think you make a good point with like your oldest, like it is a, a trial and something to help teach them and, and stretch them and make them grow. And even though it's uncomfortable at first and hard, it can grow into being something so beautiful. But how about for you? I mean, you know, we're adults and we we're big girls and we can handle it. But like, I actually have, other than my college years and those experiences, I, I've never made such a big adjustment. What, what has that been like for you? Honestly, I think it was different. I don't know that I was prepared as a mom. I was really worried about Peyton. And so I didn't consider myself as much as I maybe should have. 
also with it being April of last year, we remember where we were April 17th of 2020. You were there with me. Like it was hanging out in the trunks of our car, six feet apart from each other, just really anxious about what unknown future was in front of us. And I was really fear based at the time. And so I'm frustrated sometimes when I look back on leaving because I didn't get to do exactly the things that I would have done had it just been a normal life, I suppose. Um, so sometimes I have regrets about that and and feel a little heartbroken. But the actual transition of moving was, I can still feel it in my gut. It was awful. Like leaving and saying your last goodbyes, which you knew weren't your last goodbyes, but it's also something you have to do. You know, it just was awful. Um, and then when I first moved here, I truly was in a depression I'm not a depressed person. I'm a really high. I prefer to go manic (laughs) than depressive (laughs) when sadness hits me. And so I did, I did lots of things to my house and, and moved in and got adjusted in, in busy ways. But when I would drive alone, I would cry. I never have cried more than I've cried in 2020, which isn't unique because it was 2020. But I think if life had been normal, I would have been crying more than the normal person, (laughs) although we were all crying. So I was crying and crying alone in my car, singing songs, FaceTiming constantly, and really had a hard time leaving women that I loved so much that could just, I mean, I still really do get really emotional um, talking about it because my DMs were filled with women also saying, this is going to be really hard. Who'd gone through this before? Um, so I knew what to expect, but it was really caught me off guard how sad and lonely I was for people who knew me. Well, is there a moment kind of where the excitement just fades and it's like, oh, okay, this is it. Like it's not vacation, right? Because okay. I'm kind of putting myself in those shoes and I want to say, oh, it would be so exciting and to be at a new place with a new house, new neighborhood. But then, yeah, like six weeks into it when you don't get to go home, quote unquote home. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, Oh, wow. Like, I I wonder how I would deal with that. I don't know. Yeah. You moved from Texas to. I did, but it was college. So everybody is uprooted. And then then I met my husband and I never went home. I mean, I had full (laughs) intention to go home, but I met my man and there went life. You know what I mean? And truly that age is made for change like that. Transition. So you were in the perfect spot. Whereas in your mid thirties, you're not really built for change. Mm -hmm. You're built for consistency. And you're ready for ever. Like you're ready for forever. <laughs> You've established a life and you're ready to just keep moving on with your life. So tiny bit of backstory too is that my husband had worked for his dad all these years of our marriage. And he had felt that the best way to make that change would be something dramatic on some level so that it was easier for him. So in one way, we were guided totally by the spirit for sure. And then in another way, I was sort of doing this for my husband, right? Right which I was trying not to hold on to resentfully and swore I would never throw in his face. Although I can't say that I've upheld that promise to myself because it's hard. Um, but I, but I was like, I knew it was right. I knew it was for him. I also felt like I'd sacrificed a lot of things. So the glamour did wear off. The adventures was super fun. Packing and moving is something I actually really love to do. So that was fun. The house was bigger. The kitchen was better. We were upgrading our lives essentially. And then there was the, the downfall of just like, hard to make friends in COVID times, hard to let go of old friends. Um, I had a distinct feeling that making new friends was disloyal. I don't know if I've talked to you about that, no. but I had a distinct feeling that making new friends would 
in turn hurt my old friends or discredit the love that we had for each other. So I sort of tortured myself for a season. Oh, and that's so unfair to you. I, but I get what you're saying. I mean, you feel so tightly knit with one, but it is like you have to find a new normal and a new day-to-day and find some joy here too. Okay, guys, we have found a new phone case that we think you're really going to love. The Wally is a leather case with threaded detail. It has a loop for your finger in the back, but also doubles as a stand when you want to watch a show. It lays completely flat, and the best part is there's a discreet pocket for your credit card or driver's license, so no more losing those things when you have to run into the store. With our code, this case is only $22. It's seriously such a steal for the functionality that you're getting. To purchase your Wally case, head over to wallycases.com forward slash momvoice. That's Wally, W-A-L-L-I, cases.com forward slash momvoice. Shop around for your phone model, pick your case, and then at checkout, enter code momvoice for 15% off. Seriously, go shop right now while you're listening to this episode. We really think you're going to love it. Well, referring to the fact that you've moved in COVID, holy cow. Wild. I, it is so wild. And it actually, like at times when you were doing it, I thought, nothing you guys would pull out, but it's like, the crap's hitting the fan world's ending. They're not going to go really. Aren't, wait, they're going. Wait, they are leaving. They're packing up. They're going. I'm like, okay, this is happening. So it was such a wild like time. And like, what do you think other than, yeah, not being able to do the proper goodbyes and the parties and the fun farewells, like what else was like very COVID to you? I, this is off the, the script here. I mean, was there anything else that felt just very alarming moving during COVID? Yes. Truly, the weirdest part was not having church. So a lot of times that's, and people of all religions can relate to this, like having a religious group is so, it makes things feel like home. I lived in Ecuador in my 20s, but I felt at home when I was at church where they didn't even speak English because that, like the spirit that I felt was very universal, I guess is what I would say. So I honestly think the hardest part was not A, saying goodbye to our church family there. So Rules were broken with my sister, my mom, my dad, my brothers and sisters, rules that were whatever at the time. And even some with friends when I felt comfortable because I was truly the rule enforcer with all the hand sanitizer. (laughs) And so I was like, (laughs) it was on me and I was kind of calling these shots, but church was not negotiable. Like I couldn't go to church and say goodbye. Uh, In fact, a few months ago, I did go back to my old ward and did sob hysterically and finally had that closure with my ward family. So I think that would be it is not having any actual family and then not having sort of that thing that we carry with us everywhere, which is our religion and our church family. That was weird. No, it's absolutely so true. Well, I want to go back a little bit to what you just touched on with you and Ty, because man, I can only imagine, I have told Lauren, I think I've said it on the podcast, but 2020 has tried my relationship Mm -hmm. in more than one way. So Yeah. Dive into that a little bit, like the stress of moving on top of the COVID stress on top of the quarantine and like all of that. Were you guys just like leaning on each other or was there backlash or resentment or like, I really do love that question because you saw some of this, um, Lauren, when I came back to Arizona, honestly, there's been both, right? Like there's both things at both times, but initially it and long-term it has unified our family dramatically because you do go out into the world and realize you only have the people that you've made (laughs) and the person that you chose to marry. Like they are really it. 
if the world is wild. And we learned that all, I think in COVID, it was like, you don't get to keep your friends, but they're not separating you from your kids and your husband. Right. So Mm -hmm. on one level, it was so awesome. And there was, I can actually remember this really euphoric moment where I had never loved my husband more. He was it. Like we were in a partnership, like we had done this. And it is actually something that I am still grateful for is that in life, when you're comfortable and you have great, amazing friends and sisters and family, you can choose to be distracted by those relationships. They can be good and they can be distractions. So a lot of times if I was frustrated at Ty, I found myself at Savannah's house (laughs) and I found myself telling her about how annoying he was. But when I'm in Utah and I'm frustrated at my husband and I can't go anywhere, I just go say, I'm frustrated with you. And can we have a conversation about this? And this is, you know, and he, my husband, who we talked about in my other episode too, truly is so good at wanting to be better and be closer. And so he sat and was like grateful that I was coming to him to talk about him and get better and stronger. And so I do remember that moment where I was like, we are in love, like so in love, stronger. Then I alluded to the times where I have thrown it in his face that he made me move here and it's all his fault. (laughs) So uh, yeah, we're humans. And there was other times where it's been frustrating and starting a new business is very difficult. And I've had to watch him struggle. And then I've questioned, was it better to struggle at your dad's job or is this better? And I've just had to ask him like, and he will adamantly, the word was not coming, say that it is better to struggle in his own business. And so I trust him. He's free. He feels so happy. He feels so fulfilled. That's so fulfilling for me. And as time's gone on, I get to keep all those relationships. I was really worried that were changing in the beginning. I get to FaceTime and talk to my friends and my family. And it doesn't feel that different, to be honest. And I think that's the beauty of the world we live in today is that technology can serve you in so many ways Mm -hmm. if you let it. And, oh, but I just love the idea, what you said about your family relying on each other and like being each other's, yeah, like the little village that you guys are. I just think that's so powerful. Lauren and I used to talk about she had this wild dream where she wanted to pick up and move to Hawaii when your kids were tiny. Before it was cool. Okay, oh, totally. this was years ago. <laughs> oh, yeah, this was a long it time literally ago. Girl, literally, the girl that sold her her Wait. house did that. Oh, no She way. actually did. She moved to yeah. Hawaii. You're right. No, it's so like, trendy it, now. It's so trendy now. Oh, no, now. this was like— Mine was years ago. This was seven, this. This seven, eight years ago. This I was a long that for time. you, you little free spirit. But I just remember being like, what? And her whole methodology behind it was like, I just want us to go have time for ourselves and like memories for ourselves. And just and, each other. Yeah. I think there's, like you said, Jade, I think there's just something to be said when you rely on your spouse and they rely on you, you are their person. And and most marriages are that way, but you're exactly right. When you're, when it's busy and it's day-to-day life and it's go, 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 and you have friends and social life and church responsibilities, like it just does not get the attention it deserves. And it's, and it is. And I think just being isolated, even if we picked up and moved across country on our own, even if we're in a city and we have new friends and things, there would be some sort of unifying that would happen that was so different than where we are because we have extended family and so many friends and so many blessings, really. But it would be so different. And I really think that is so special and so unique. Did you see any development in your children's relationship? That's such a good question, too. I was just going to say after this is that even mine and my oldest relationship got really tight. I almost am bummed she has such good friends because there was this period of time where we were like 
each other's best friend, which isn't my motto. Like I have no desire to be my daughter's best friend, but like closer. Do you know what I'm saying? Like a healthy kind of closeness, but she would talk to me and there were feelings, big feelings. And it was so fun to get to have that time with her um, in between making friends, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I really loved that. And then my little kids, I'm already a really controlling, like I drove my kids to their school by myself every day. So I'm still doing that. Like I wasn't a great delegator when my kids are young. So honestly, I don't feel like anything with them is ultimately different. Truly, I don't. Like they're just home and they were home before. And um, I got them in a great school and I drive them every day. Like, I don't know. That feels really similar to how it was at home. Other than, like I said, little cousins. I did always think my kids would grow up with their cousins. And I mean, never say never. They're little still. So I don't also feel worried about the psychological damage for them because they are little. So in a couple of years, we could move back. And I don't think they would ever really even know or care. Whereas Peyton would now probably be, I think she'd still be fine, but annoyed, you know, whatever. Well, and it's funny because um, growing up, both me and my husband literally grew up with both, both of our extended families surrounded by us for holidays and for Sundays and all the things. And my direct family, my sisters, were kind of all spread out across the country. And, and that is a different experience my children will have when cousins come to town or we have to go visit cousins. Whereas, yeah, some of my cousins were my best friends. And like we grew up and my husband definitely, I mean, he went to high school with his cousins. And so it, it's like, it, but it, you know, not, nothing is better or worse. It's just different. And it's a different experience. I love this because there are so many what feel like better things for me about living away from my family. You don't have to do that obligatory Sunday dinner at your in-laws, which I loved on one hand, my mother-in-law, I will not send her the link to this podcast. Just kidding. I actually really love her, but like you do get a little burned out of those things. And here, when my mother-in-law comes to town, it's all about my kids, us, what we're doing. And it's really bonding. So my parents are in town right now and they've come probably about every month. And I've probably come home about every six weeks. So we're really close where a flight is cheap and close or a drive is not even, you know, life or death. It's 12 hours of not your greatest experience, but it's fine. Um, And so having them come into my home and being able to like take care of my parents, like my mom likes glass cups. She likes 2% milk. She wants toast. So I'm like grocery shopping to take care of my parents when they come to town and my kids are getting to wake up with them and and have them all night long. And it's so fun. Uh, And I've loved that. That is so sweet. And it is, it's a different experience. Just like we said at the beginning, you teach women and you spread this beautiful message of live where you love. And so here you are starting again, a fresh slate to love your new home. Now, what's that like? Because I remember when I moved into like my physical new house, it was weird. Like, I felt like this feels, I, this doesn't feel like home yet. This is like a building that we're in and I've got to create a home again. I mean, where did you start? This is my favorite question. I mean, I think I might've said that about all of the questions. You guys are so good at your job. Um, so I was stoked that it was big. Like that was what I was trying to comfort myself with. There's a whole backstory about how we had to fight for this house because it was COVID times. It did almost fall apart a couple of times because they were going to Hawaii, which was shutting down. They wanted us to like live in the basement of her parents' house. And I'm like, I will not do that to my children. You got to get out. I paid her extra to leave. Like it's a whole thing. So I fought really hard for this house to be empty and available for us to go directly into. So two answers, two parts, if I can be very clear about my thoughts. One, 
I have a strategy for when I move into a house, which I do teach online. And I even teach in my course, which is to set up my kids' rooms first. And I bring something. So even if the decor changes, which as you know, if you follow me, my home is an ever revolving interior design project. Something from their room comes that comforts them. And they've almost had it their entire lives. So a picture, a bed frame, um, my two little sharing a bedroom. I put it right together quickly and I get them in there and make them feel as settled as possible. So that way the home feeling that they might not know exists just within our family exists with something tangible in their room. Does that make sense? I love that. Okay. That's my tip. It's just go establish their rooms first and bring something that is comfortable for them. Did you let them choose their room? (laughs) <laughs> I, I hear this is a big debate among some people who move. I'm just curious. Hilariously, just this last week, all their rooms are different. Yeah, <laughs> Like different rooms. Like they changed actual physical rooms. Really? Isn't that weird? It, this is the thing about moving. This is like relevant to whether you're just moving down the street, whether you've just bought a new house here or there or in a whole different place. You don't know how your home functions for you until you live in it. So we do like to go in and establish and decorate and do things and set it up. Of course, I also understand and know that that might change. The little kids were in the big room because they were sharing. A year has almost gone by. Now they're separated and Peyton is older and wants a couch and friends in her room. And her room is now the big room and they've all shifted. So yes and no. Mm-hmm. Now they got to choose a year later, but they no. didn't really get to choose when they got there because yeah. the sharing kids got the biggest room. And now that dynamic has changed. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. And it's like you kind of envision the layout, but it like, did you bring that up? Meaning like some kids like get their room speaks to them and it's like their special space. Yeah. I didn't know. I feel like some parents are more totalitarian about the whole thing. Yeah, totally. Some are very right. trying to appease the children yeah. because they've rocked their world. Win, win and them like, over. Yes. You what know what I mean? <laughs> yes. I will bow down to whatever you want and say, yeah, just absolutely. stop. Right. You know, so I was just curious how you handled it. That is. So with my oldest, I did allow for the first time in her life. And actually currently she's repainting the big room as we call it now Mm -hmm. because it's hers. Now I did let her have full design control and it has been torture to my soul because (laughs) she's a visco girl or whatever silly thing we're calling it these days. And she wants twinkly lights and she wants more. And I own a print shop and she wants to buy a tapestry off the internet from who knows who and put it above her bed. And I'm like, can you not choose a piece of my 700 piece collection of art for your bedroom? But apparently she cannot. No, mom. Of course because not. It's not cool, not mom. Cool enough. Yeah. So it's, yeah. Fine. But that's where we're at. And so it is, I am, I like full creative control over my home. But also growing up, my mom let me express myself and or try to consider me really intensely as she created rooms for me. So I've let it go for her. I've let it go. My son's room also has sports banners pinned up. Um, Indy's probably my one I can control-ish, but she's also my muse. <laughs> she's so cute and vintage, like in her soul. So her room is my old office and I wanted her in there because it was so her. Um, so yeah, I think it's kind of a creative process that we like to do together for the most part. But this year I've given my daughter more control over her room. At no, and I love that. And uh, getting them involved, they're, they're more invested. They get excited. Perfect. What were you most excited? What space were you most excited to work on? Or maybe even your first one too. I was. Well, my room has remained essentially the same that has been my favorite in this house. 
and it is the front room or the living room or whatever you call it, the missionary room, the <laughs> Relief Society teacher room. If you're a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, you might refer to it as that. It's the room where you can't see the rest of the house um, right off the front door. At first, it was my office, but right away I did a painted it all black, which yes. was something I had been wanting to do forever in the dark, moody spirit of interior design. And some wood treatment on the walls. You can see it in my Instagram feed. It's just the dark black room. And it has remained my favorite. And even when I tried to move my office upstairs and find a more closed off place, because this is very open to the rest of the house, I found myself going back here because I can see the backyard from this room and the front door. And I can watch over my family, but I'm also, it's honestly stunning. I was just talking to Savannah on FaceTime yesterday and I stopped mid-sentence and said, oh, I just love this room. Like when I'm in it, I can't help but call out that I love this room. So yes, I have a very distinct answer. Oh, that, that is feels so good to be proud of a space like that. That's like a good feeling. And you do, you have such an eye for it. The black, I remember right at the beginning and it is just beautiful. You have to go check it out. So to a person designing a clean slate like you, how is it, how can we go about being very intentional with each space? Because sometimes I feel like when I, like currently, my, my, I've been in my home for two years now and I did everything. And I, I did carry over a lot of things from my last house. But now I feel like I want to almost redo everything. I feel like the trends are changing. And that's very discouraging and frustrating because that's a fortune and a ton of money. Well, and on top of that, I can almost feel paralyzed. Like there's too much. Like I can remember moving into my house and just being like, I can't deal. Like there's just too much to do. Like so the to do. Yeah. Like yeah. I would just so I literally just threw the furniture I had from my last house and I mean it sat that way for 2 years and I did certain spaces. But yeah, how do you kind of get your head like in that space to like okay, let's tackle this room. Let's do this. I love my home. I like to feel settled as quickly as possible. But there's two ways to do this. And there's two types of people I would even say. One is someone, and I'm actually noticing a trend with other interior designers who are moving right now, where they're not rushing the process. So there is no finish line with your home ever. So the faster you get it to a place that you like, you might just be more of the kind of person who likes to then change it again, which is me, obviously. I love that. Not only is it my job, but I would be doing this if it was just me. My Nana is from England, and she grew up in a tiny um, like government home that she changed a hundred thousand times. We probably joked that it was like getting smaller from all the layers of wallpaper. So it is in my bones (laughs) to change my house multiple times. That would be me. So I'm going to get in there as quickly as possible, work from whatever creativity I have in that moment. And most likely in a couple of months, realize some things are not my permanent choices. For example, if you follow me, you know, we painted the three quarter way up Mesa peach color loved it. People were disappointed when I changed it to the neutral with the wood trim on the wall. I knew I had wanted wood trim on the wall the whole time. It's just that I wasn't willing to take on that big woodworking project while trying to also establish my kids' bedrooms and make everything feel like home fairly quickly. So this is something me and my husband talk about a lot is that at times I feel like I buy what I call disposable Mm -hmm. furniture or decorations. Like rugs on Amazon or something like that. When I know full well, like I'm not going to have that in my house in 10 years, but he wants things or that it won't last 10 years. Yeah. yeah. Like it's a cheaper item. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But he's like, 
you know, he's much more intentional, like long term. He wants to buy it once. I mean, he's a man. He, he sees the functionality in yes. it and he thinks we should buy one rug. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? And not have to go rework things. But I totally love that. I feel like sometimes just getting the $30 Target comforter on the bed for your daughter, you know, having fun colors before you research everything to death and kill yourself over making, quote unquote, the right decision. Yes. Sometimes it is just like, yeah, go find something fun and go for it. And it can be changed. It can be resold. Yes. If you follow me also, you know that I highly believe in like a good exchange of energy. So we didn't buy something too expensive. You want a new rug. Guess what? There's a girl in Facebook marketplace who wants your family room rug. And it's so exciting to her that you're selling it and you're moving on to a new rug. In this home, I've probably invested the most money into longer term furniture pieces, which is interesting because it feels like a more, my kids are older, right? It feels like a more long-term solution. Your husband is my second example of a person. And what I'm seeing even from other interior designers who are maybe a little bit burned out on changing so much that they are taking a lot longer to like come in. It's hard for their content, but it's like, hey, I just moved and I'm not willing to come in this house and just give you what you want. Um, I'm going to be really intentional about pieces I put into it. Um, like I said, that is not me. And that's not our friend Mallory, whom I love. We have phase one, phase two, phase three. That's what I would call it. Just little changes that we're going to make, knowing our end goal might be something totally different than what we've started with. So there are intentional people. I love them. I can't understand them. <laughs> they move too slow for me, but I bless their hearts. I love them. I think it's a great way to design your home. I wish I could be more intentional in so many ways. Um, and so that way you just save. You look, you research, you put it on your Pinterest board, you collect, you gather, you buy, you design. And that's the thing. I think a lot of those like slower moving is they're like saving up for the $6,000 dining room table and which is stunning. And like if the budget allots or maybe you save that, you know, save it up and you get it eventually. Um, but yes, I know there is like, that's interesting. There are two types of people. And yes, she's exactly right. I have a few designer friends here, Jay, <laughs> Mallory, Savannah, and they move at a speed that I just cannot understand. All of you have like a way to finish a space, you know, it, all a whole home truly, truly in such a matter of time. It's like utterly shocking. And it's, and it's <laughs> really fun to watch. It's really fun to watch. Okay. Here's a design question off the cuff. Um, I feel like I tend to, in my home, each room's a little different. And what I'm, what I'm saying is, do you feel like when you go into a home, like there kind of needs to be a certain theme or style throughout? Because I feel like sometimes I kind of like jump around, like my front room will be more formal and just classic. And then my like TV room is just more like boho, like you know, yes, farmhousey. My kitchen's very farmhousey. Mm -hmm. And then like, you know, my dining room is like, again, more like a formal simplistic style. So it's like, I feel like I threw, and my last house was the same. I feel like I threw a lot and yet those are things I like, but do you think that's like kind of doing a house all wrong? What do you do? So I like, I, I, I've been in your home. I also stuttered. Um, and I've been in Sarah's home. And I think you both have very intentional feeling homes and warm feeling homes. So I like to sort of um, buck tradition. I believe that is the term if I was 90 years old, um, which maybe my soul is. And so ha hashtag, hashtag buck, buck the trend. Mm -hmm. I actually want to do the hashtag design outside the trend because what happens True. is we do try to put ourselves in a box 
because it's comfortable, because that's how consumers are selling to us. I don't mind that. It is very helpful for an indecisive person to have any guidelines to follow, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so even in my courses, I teach on how to find your style course. You haven't, I don't think you were at that class in real life. No. You've been at many of them, but this was years ago when we could do things in real life. Mm-hmm. And it was such a good time. And I taught that class and it really helps you identify as maybe one or two. But I also teach that, girl, do not be one or two things. You can be more than one thing as Daniel Tiger taught us in our early motherhood, as we were listening to him and him only, we can be more than one thing in a jingle. And so you can do that as a designer also of your own home. You are the designer of your own home. So if something makes you happy, ways to make that work, our color scheme, essentially make sure we're not going too wild within the changes of color from our front room to our family room, to our kitchen, because those are open spaces. When we close a door on a bedroom, go wild, have fun. Well, I'm very proud of myself, Jade, because when I moved into my home, three, is it three years now, Lauren? About three years, you know, gray was all the trend. Everybody had gray walls. And I had moved from a house with gray walls. And I remember I wanted beige. And, you know, gray came after beige and yes. everybody hated beige. We were over it for over a minute. Over it. But there was like this traditional grandma inside of me screaming for the her. beige. Yes. And I'm not even kidding. The stress that paint can cause. Oh, my, Lauren knows. Oh. She's over there like seizing. <laughs> she knows. I've been on the journey. It was hardcore. But like I, I went with my gut and I went with what was going to make me happy. Love it. And I love my beige. And I know I have such an old traditional home feeling. No. But I love it. And it's comforting to me. And I feel like it suits my soul. And so, yeah, go I, with I rem- your gut. I remember when you picked the beige. And yeah. not that I was surprised. I, well, oh, I was, it did surprise I you. I was surprised. It I surprised, surprised a lot of people. I was surprised the beige and it didn't look bad. But I was like, oh, I'm surprised she's going with this color. On top of that, I had a white house, which is even more all the rage. Yes. I paid a lot of money to cover up the white yeah. and put beige on. You and everybody changed was white like, to beige. Everybody's that is so- like, what are you doing? And, so it's, it's, and it's like a really warm beige. And it looks very, it's so welcoming, so warm. So yeah. it, it's it's very well my done. soft white light bulbs. I'm so old school. I'm a soft white. I'm a soft white. <laughs> Never a blue light. Never. It hurts my soul. I feel like I'm at a Walmart, although I am yes. not judgmental. No, I just I like a warm light yes. and I like a warm yeah. color. Yeah. Kind yeah. of back to what you said on the open spaces. Um, isn't there like some sort of tip that if you're standing and where your eyes can see, like it does need to correlate or connect or be the same or what? what is that exactly? Yes. If you can see it from one spot, I prefer to say it like if everything's open to each other. So even mm-hmm. if it's a little bit compartmentalized, I do love to have a cohesive theme throughout the main areas of my home and not theme, color theme, or you can have the same farmhouse theme and then play with color. You just have to have one thing feeling cohesive in your communal spaces. Like I said, behind a closed door or French doors, even you can see through to a dark moody black room or your daughter wants a hot pink room. Give your daughter a hot pink room. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter. That door can close. Those are not your, you know, common areas of your home. Second, third, 900 thing, whatever number we're on. I teach women the rules and the tools because when you know them, you can break them, right? It's like anything in life. When you have become educated on a subject, you then can become creative. So 
I don't really follow all of these rules because I know how to break them, right? And still be safe and still make a warm and cozy feeling. That's why I love my course and I want women to have it because A, I didn't know I was going to go sales pitchy, but here it goes because I believe in it so much. It costs less than one interior design consult with me and I'm the cheapest girl you'll find. So never mind fancy designers. It's going to cost less than that. It gives you all the tools to know how to start and then know where to go. Oh, it's Mm -hmm. so good, you guys. It's so helpful. It's just so important to life to live in a home that makes you happy, that shows you who you are, who you can be, that it's beige when you are a beige person. I I, love that. I'm such a beige person. Love that story, Sarah. (laughs) Well, and I love that. I I, will everyone go check out this course because that sounds perfect. And I do think exactly uh, breaking the rules. I I thought that along your journey and watching you finish this home that you have done a lot of I remember when you were doing that kitchen backsplash at first, yep. it's the first vertical I'd seen. Mm-hmm. And I was like, mm, that's different. Like just different. I wasn't like bad. It was like, that's just, she's going for it. And honestly, I love it. I love it. And now you're seeing it all over. You are a trendsetter. You. Told you. <laughs> and so I, I'm like, I, I love that you can just do what you like. And yeah. I think nowadays that is, um, you just do what you like. And the trends are just pushing the boundaries and the dark colors Forget white. Good, the good thing you got the white out of there. Now it's all the bold, dark, moody. Who would have thought we'd be going there, right? Right. And my biggest color mistake, I, I don't know if was you, my fault. No, it wasn't your yes, fault. Yes, it was. Blame me, Lauren. No, Put it, it out into the nation. Shut your mouth. I'm podcasting. No, Lauren. I, okay, Jade, Jade, we'll tell you the story I, really fast. Jade, I have PTSD. You do. Of this. Wait, so, actually, Sarah actually looks traumatized. I'm no, going to give you a play by play of her PTSD. We traumatized. No, I'll never give advice again. Savannah and Mallory came over and they were there and they witnessed what. So (laughs) I wanted to paint my cabinets white in this house, right? So I wanted to go with the classic white kitchen. Update. So they were wood and I was just going to save a buck and not replace. We were going to paint. And um, I just, at the time, a million paint colors were going through my head. And I just said, Sarah is so good at the paints. She, she can do no wrong. I said, Sarah, what's the white? Like, what is the white right now? Like, of course, I know there's a trillion whites out there, but I just kind of thought there is a white that everyone puts on their kitchen, right? There are a trillion whites. There There are a trillion whites. 50,000 shades. We can all agree there's like Swiss coffee, alabaster, like the whites. Everybody knows the whites, right? Yes, pure, simply, or dove white. Simply white, dove white. There's just like the five or six whites. And I just, at that time, didn't even know the whites. Mm -hmm. So I said, just tell me, what's like the white right now? What's the white you have in your house? So she tells me Dover White. Okay. Sherwin-Williams to, okay. Dover okay. White. My so brand go, new home that I just moved into, so, yeah, they, she's the like, builder had painted Dover White. The whole okay. thing was Dover White. And I felt like, oh, I know her house. And it's fresh white. And it's a bright white. It's pretty white. Like, great white. I even... And so I... Honestly, I don't even know. I don't even know if I looked it up. I probably looked it up on Pinterest. Maybe. Yeah. I don't even know. I just said, okay, we're doing Dover White. She's Dover White's all over her house. I've seen her house. It's great. So I go and tell the painter Dover White. Yeah. And he shows up and I, and he's priming the kitchen. And at first the primer's like bright white, right? Yeah. And I'm like, oh, this is cool. And we're he's doing like, this it. is the primer. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, the white's going to look so cool. It's going to look great. And he opens the can and I look at the can and it's like cream. It's like, it's, it's like a yellow cream, right? Not yellow, but like it was a warm. That's how it felt it to you. Warm. It, was warm. it was like right there. And I was going, wait, is this Do- Dover White? And he's like, yeah. So I kind of like my heart starts racing a little bit. He has like seven cans of it. I'm like, 
wait, I don't know. Like, is this overpriced? Is this what you meant? Da, da, da. So I literally get in the car and run to Sarah's house and mm-hmm. I bring a baseboard that he had painted Dover white. And I go and I go, I put it to the wall and I go in the light. I'm like, this is Dover white, right? Is this white or is this cream? I don't, I, he's already bought it, right? But I'm too just late. like in the minute impulse choice. I'm like, Sarah, this, and I, I don't even know if you were there. Jeremy was there and I was <laughs> like, okay, this is fine. That's right. We'll be fine. It will be fine. And I go back. I'm like, okay, we're fine. I could have put a stop at it right then. Yeah. She's hated like, it ever since. Long no, story short. No, is it could, still Dover no, white right no, now? I could have ate the money and just been like, let me just buy new paint and get the color right. I am in so much But suspense. I was like, I was like, oh, that's already a few hundred bucks. Like, yeah. I should have honestly I know. just stopped and made sure. But I was too, I was too panicked. They were, the team was there, everything. This is so all I, making sense about her outside of her house white choice. Yes, PTSD. I I thought you were PTSD. just losing it, but so you have a reason. So then we move forward. And he finishes and it's a very, very warm white. Like it's yeah. a cream. It's cream. It's yeah. cream. And so I'm like, okay, I don't remember it. I'm like, my but- cabinets are cream now. And so then I all of a sudden had to redo the whole kitchen of the backsplash to the yeah. floors to what I was doing. Cause, and then I was like, should I repaint them? Do I want a bright white? Like, holy crap. But the moral of the story and the end of the story is <laughs> I love them now because bright white is out, girl. I we was thinking are this. all about warm water. So you're welcome. Yes, Is that the end you of just this? predicted the future, Miss <laughs> Beige. Beige beauty over here knew what's up, and she got you a creamy white. She got as me the, the creamy white. Would go. No, but at oh the time, I know Sarah was like freaking out. Like I, hate I, that. I ruined it. I was like, no, no, I should have done my homework. <sighs> I put too much pressure. I just like said, what's a white? Because my last house, I did have a bright white, and my cabinet guy was. We were, he was building them and I go, well, what's the white people do? And he's like, oh, it's snow white or whatever. And I was like, okay, if that's the white. And it was great. And it was like the white everybody does. And so I don't know. I, I put way too much on Sarah for her to make that choice. I was like, just tell me what the right white is now. Never call me again in that situation. No, but honest to goodness, like (laughs) I, I love the warm tone. You. Your I last painted house, my your little last house. You turned into kind of a peachy white. It like was a like peachy a cream. Crew. Like I can't even it remember was, what the name of and it. And I remember when you did that. Like it almost like comforted me. I'm like, oh, we're going on trend here to this yep. warm white, and it feels good. And I, I'm actually really glad it's warm. But that is where my PTSD comes in on it. My exterior. And getting the white right. And do I go white? And all the things. So, so that's even just a pointless but note about the house that I'm in now is they had just renovated the kitchen. They hadn't finished it. She had to leave before the kitchen was finished being renovated. And I felt ungrateful because it's a gorgeous kitchen, but it's bright white. And I am a, I'm going to call myself a trendsetter. Just kidding. I like to be ahead of a trend, right? right. So I wanted a specific type of kitchen that was very dark and moody cabinet color. And then lighter walls would have been my preference. The backsplash choice came into play for that because I needed something really, it's not a bold color. It's just a terracotta tile, but I needed something really ahead of the trend because it was such a boring kitchen. I mean, I really do feel badly saying that because I think at one point in my life, this was my dream kitchen, all white shaker cabinet. She had black hardware. I'm switching that out to gold, but it wasn't my, it was not what I would have chosen. I almost loved my little creamy kitchen with the janky shiplap more than I liked this fancy brand new done kitchen, which to tie this whole podcast together brings me back to feeling a little homesick for things that I had worked so hard for in the other house. That's where the nostalgia sort of wore off of comforting myself with the big house 
But then the big house not being exactly what the little house which was, which was everything I'd ever wanted, mm-hmm. all my own choices, even if they were on a budget, even if they were phase two, not end goal, right? right? I missed that a little bit. And only recently have I actually fully let go of that other house because I still drive past it when I go to town and I miss it. And it never has the lights on. And I worry if it's happy and I worry if like the things that I've done are like, okay. And I finally had to be like, it's been a year Mm -hmm. almost. You need to let that go. But when you choose things you love and when you create in your own space, you have a connection to your home. And um, something that I've learned even in this last little bit, just to sort of like wrap up is that home actually is where we are, right? So I don't even have to choose Arizona or Utah. I get to have both because both are my home. Moving didn't change me. I am me. My family is us and we are each other's home. Our bodies are our home. The home itself, the house, the reason I love it so much is because it's an extension of what lives inside of me out into this space. And I get to take that with me wherever I go, right? Ever I go, I get to bring home with me. And I feel confident even now moving forward, no matter where we go or where we end up, I bring home to my family and my family makes a home for me. And that's why design and things like that are so important to me because there's such an extension, an outward expression of an inward feeling. And I'm lucky that I got to have that in Arizona. And I'm lucky that I get to have that feeling again now in our Utah home with our family, making new friends and moving forward in a way that we didn't anticipate over a year ago. I love that. And let's talk about making new friends really quickly, because I feel like when you are trying to settle in, that can be a really intimidating idea for a lot of women. I mean, I don't know how men really go into it, but I know for women, it can cause a lot of stress and anxiety. I mean, do you have any tips on, yeah, how to make new mom friends? Love that. Yeah. I think there's an important thing to be said too. At 36 is so different. So if you're listening to this at different ages, when you are younger, your community of women is vital. It is vital to your survival of the really hard years of motherhood. This podcast is called The Mom Voice Podcast. So I assume you're listening in one of those phases of motherhood. And the young phase of motherhood with young children, it is so vital to have human connection with a grown-up person. I would even dare to say that's not your husband who doesn't share the same responsibilities of raising your children, who you can talk crap about your children to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And say they're the worst today. Mm-hmm. And he's not feeling offended. And it's just moms. And you just laugh and you just say the things that you need to say. So if I had moved at a younger age, I would have worried about myself. But to be honest, I made friends with Lauren and our group of um girlfriends in Arizona at that crossroad. Yeah. Before I had the younger two. And when my oldest was about three or four, and I needed that. I hadn't been desperate for friends. And still had some high school friends and had my husband. And as that age approached where we were all having young children, I felt a desperate need to reach out, to to show up, to go wherever they were, bring my kid, be out of my comfort zone and make friends, mom friends. And so moving here at 36 years old with older kids um, and well-established group of friends at 
home, Arizona home, um, I was more cautious. I was more slow. As I mentioned before, I didn't want to negate the friendships I had had in Arizona by moving on too quickly. And that's because I did have some girlfriends that I knew here. I've worked with a lot of women in Utah that have become really good friends of mine, um, long distance friends. And now we're going to be my face-to-face friends. And so I didn't move too quickly into the face-to-face phase, I guess, with them because I was nervous about how that would make my other friends feel. Fast forward almost a year. And I would say the formula for me is the same as it has always been. To have good friends, you have to be a good friend. To have friends, you have to show up. You have to go. Last night, I did research for this podcast by showing up to a girl's night on the other side of town because I was tired and I thought, I'm going to watch Housewives of New Jersey. I'm going to ride the Peloton. I'm going to then watch a vampire. I'm going to eat. No, I thought to myself, Jade Bennett, the Jade (laughs) (laughs) and her classic snort. I love it. (laughs) Get up off this couch and go show up because they're going to tell stories. They're going to be making jokes and have inside jokes that I don't get to be a part of if I don't show up. FOMO. Right. You don't want to miss out. I thrive on FOMO. But I did. And I have had a trip with girlfriends to St. George that I wanted to cancel because it seemed hard. Seemed hard. Seemed like it was going to be hard to make new friends. And it is. It It is is. when you're a mom and you're busy and you're trying to do all the things. Because you know you kind of have to turn it on. And you're tired. You know what? Our friend Lauren Pugh, who was on your podcast, who knows how many weeks ago at this point when this one comes out, but go watch your episode. She actually and I were Marco polling and she said something really profound to me. I have spent a lot of time in my life turning it on, right? Mm-hmm. It's a version of me. It's not insincere. It's just that I have felt a need to perform in some way in order to make people laugh. And Lauren Pugh said to me, you don't have to do anything, Jade. Just go and be yourself. Like you're so lovable. And she's someone that loves me and is my friend. And I thought, thanks for telling me that. Cause I was convinced you guys only loved me because in the beginning I was so on, right? But at this point, all my friends have seen me all the ways. And she said, you are lovable just the way you are. Just go and don't be on. And I made a conscious decision to not need to be perfect at being thoughtful or showing just being funny go. and bringing the entertainment, all and of bringing it. And bringing a gift or a treat yeah. or like kind of trying to win them over, which mm-hmm. was how it had worked for me when I was younger. I, she said, just go be you. And so I did, I was really prayerful. And I was like, I'm just going to be I've worked really hard on being a calmer version of myself. So I'm going to just be me. I'm just going to show up. And I did. And I had the best time. I think I called some of you after and was crying and was like, I'm going to be okay. And this was only a couple months ago. I'm going to be okay. I'm okay. I'm here. I'm loved. I'm accepted. I laughed. I felt community with women. I felt likeness. I felt joy. I felt rest. I felt restored. I felt all the things that are so important amongst a group of women. And I was so overjoyed. I told my husband, I literally cried on the way home. I told those girls, I said, thank you. Thank you for that weekend in St. George where I found community, where I found love. And I was myself. I didn't overdo anything. I felt so good. And I'm so grateful for old friends and new friends. And we never have to lose one to get the other. Mm -hmm. What a great age. We're not in junior high. We don't have to pick this group over that group or none of them. (laughs) We get to have all the friends. Amen. We're not in junior high anymore. And I just, yes, I I mean, all the effort and the stress and the nerves that go into like the social life of a teen and even into college, 
But when we're just owning ourselves and comfortable in our own skin, and it's so true. I mean, Jade has such a following. And honestly, you win those hearts over by just your fun, loud, singing, personality, jokes. But you also just bear your soul and you have your off days and your quiet days and just your mom days. And you're just all and and you don't have to turn it on. And none of us do. We just need to be our authentic selves and and just not have to feel like we have to work so hard to win someone's, you know. We're too old for that. No, we are. We (laughs) truly are. Well, and last thing I want to wrap up on is as you're adjusting to your new normal, you know, I mean, did you find anything to be really helpful? Like finding that grocery store, the bank, like oh, all I, of your I little runs. This. What? I can't answer she this. Knows. She knows. What? She knows. I know the story. She does know. She, you need to tell it. But she found her swig. Yeah. Oh, and, that, and, and she had like a, a, a spiritual experience. I tell I us. Tell I want to hear. It's a spiritual place for me. As tell, you know. tell people, a lot of our listeners have no idea what I that know. is. What That's a swig hearts. is. So tell us. Don't. So swig is just a soda shop, essentially. There's one in Arizona. It started as a different name and it merged with one that's in Utah. So now I also have my swig in my hometown and in my new town. And I have a drink named after me at this soda shop, which is my greatest <laughs> <Yes>. accomplishment <laughs> in life. <laughs> I have one right here, guys. Snaps. I have snaps. Is Save so the snaps for snappies. Save me, Jane. Lauren Willis is actually my only friend who drinks my drink. It's Therefore, a, it's truly Jane, my I favorite. I do too. You do, Sarah? But I say with Diet Coke. It's fine. She's Every a drink with so Diet Coke. So she's not truly drinking the same. Okay, Lauren still wins. <laughs> I'm kidding. No, the Safety Jane is my favorite drink. It's delicious. It's mm-hmm. Diet Dr. Pepper with sugar-free coconut and sugar-free vanilla. Because if I don't say that, you're going to get a million questions about it. It's in a highlight with the whole story behind the Save Me Jade in my Instagram feed because that's too long of a story. But the quick story about moving here is we were house hunting. So we were buying this family's business and I realized that they were going to be leaving their house, but we didn't know if they were willing to rent it or sell it or what they needed. So we went for a drive around um, last January. So over a year ago now, and we were looking for houses and we went in a bunch and they were all lackluster at best. You know, I just was not feeling inspired. And so we had gone in this house that we're in and I felt super inspired and super excited to be in that house. And I knew that that was the house. And as we're driving, I had to go to the bathroom and I said, pull over. This is, we're not COVID times. These were regular times. Mm -hmm. I have to go to the restroom. And there was a swig. I said, will you go at swig? I haven't had a swig yet. I'll go to the restroom and I'll get my save me Jade. I go in and I use the restroom really quick. And I come back out and I say, can I have a save me Jade? And the girl goes, oh my gosh, are you Jade? And I go, Oh my gosh. Yes. And so so I was so worried that I would be obsolete. Like this is so dumb. And it's not just me. I've learned people think you're a big personality. You're ego driven. No, I'm actually not. But everybody wants to be known. We do. Mm -hmm. It's why the show Cheers was so popular. I felt so at home when the girl knew who I was. Like I belonged in this town. And today, this is my swig that I go to and they are excited to see me as they were at the Mesa Gilbert one and then the Mesa one. And as they have been for years, this is a big part of my identity at this point. And the fact that I found a girl and that at that day, the one girl, cause I soon learned that they did not all know who I was. <laughs> Once I'm How dare like, they? I am Jade of the same age. <laughs> and I had to educate them, but she did that day. And mm-hmm. it was a spiritual experience for me in knowing that like, to be spiritual, that my heavenly father knew I needed to feel seen that day. 
And that I needed to know exactly where I was supposed to move my family, specifically neighborhood. You know how much that affects their school, their friends, all the things. Mm -hmm. It's very important to me that I did this thing right, choose the right place to live. And Lehigh is an odd place because the women that I know here, none of them live in Lehigh. It's closer to Salt Lake or Orem Provo. I was choosing this sort of out of nowhere for my family because I knew it was the right thing. And this was a sign. I kid you not. I love that. A sign. And like, and, and also a swig is kind of like our max or like yeah. our, the cheers bar. The like max. it's just kind of the local little soda shop and yeah. everyone did know you and you had like known it since the beginning. So really it just identified as like a special place. It's yep. the same reason why when I moved to Arizona state to go to college, Lauren, you know, I went to Whataburger exactly yeah. probably four times a week because, because in home. Texas, Whataburger is life. And I'm Love the only person I know who eats Whataburger. But to me, it is like going home and I yes. love it. Yes. So yeah, finding those little familiarities are like vital and such vital. tender mercies, right? Like yep. I just love that. Or well, truly won't Target unify us all. I know. Target. Just walking into Target, we're like, we're, we're going to be okay. We the swig was by the Target, so all was well. All oh. was well. All, all is the stars well. aligned. Yes. All right. Well, on that note, we are, again, Jay, we could talk to you for hours. Oh, my gosh. I you're you're our first episodes. guest to come back yes. twice. Oh, my oh, gosh. What an honor. Oh, yes. my gosh. You're VIP. Oh, yeah. my gosh. I'm honored. Jade, we get hit up about three times a day for people to come be guests. Do we not, Lauren? Yeah, we do. And we wanted you back a really twice. Job. We I have to tell you, I know you're wrapping it up, but I don't care <laughs> because I want to brag about you guys because it has been a while since I have been back here and you guys do such a good job. Honestly, you have a gift because your voices are nice to listen to, oh. which is so, it's not on every podcast because some are <laughs> difficult. Yeah. We've heard that twice today. You have? We have heard we that. We have heard that, that, that twice that today. voices and yeah. Like our, our previous it person that we interviewed it said matters. the exact same yeah. thing. Yeah. That is you so are funny. doing a really good job. You ask great questions. You're so intentional. You're so warm and inviting. So I'm not wow. surprised there is a list lined up to join your podcast. Well, no, we love you, Jay. You're so and sweet. And thank you thank for coming you. back. We miss you. I miss you. It's a void there in Arizona. Yeah. Well, it's a void. It's a void. The same. <laughs> I no, prefer it that way. <laughs> I know. We miss you. We do. But I'm no. so glad we got to sit down together. Okay. So to find Jade and look at all the things that she's referred, again, her handle on Instagram is... At the Jade Bennett. At the, and you can find all the other resources there for yep. your course, all the, the things. print shop. If you yep. go there, you can launch from there. Jade, I have one of your prints above you my bath. I have to show it to you. I still haven't. Yeah, you probably to. haven't. It's been up for six months now. I want to see it. I love it. It's this beautiful cliffside scene that's got like brush strokes in it. It's just perfect for my house. I love it. Love and it. you definitely need to go check out our past episode with yes. the Jade Bennett, Finding Peace in Infertility. No, she said it wrong. Oh. Finding Peace Through Infertility. Oh, you did. You were double checking that. <laughs> and to be honest, there is a follow-up about that because we might have to retouch that episode when... Someday there might be more the Jade Bennett children. Yeah, well, there might be a little more Bennett's running around. Oh. So yes, we would love we're to not a pregnancy announcement yet. But okay. we, the doors are open in a different way than when that podcast came out. So go listen. Oh my goodness. Yeah, go, go check it out. It's a very uh, inspiring and uplifting, you know, episode. Love that. All right. Well, with that, we are going to sign off. We'll be back next Monday with a brand new episode. And if you like what you hear, please go leave us a rating and a review. And you can find us on Instagram at the mom voice podcast all right guys say bye jade we'll talk bye. to you later <laughs> love you so much <laughs> take bye, care guys. of each other bye guys we want to tell you about the pogo pass 
Now that we're post-COVID and we're ready to get out and make memories and experiences with our family, you definitely need to check out the Pogo Pass. You can use this pass for great pricing to games, museums, activities throughout your city. We love ours and used it so much before COVID. Here in the Valley, the Pogo Pass gets you admission to the Sunsplash Water Park, and that pays for the pass right there. To purchase, go to pogopass.com and use our code, the mom voice, for $10 off at checkout. This is a great bang for your buck, and you'll make memories with your kids. 